Hello, listeners. Uh, it's Dave. This episode of the Thought Bubble that we recorded yesterday had a little Skype lag issue. I think I've got all of it, but if there's some overlapping dialogue, uh, that that's the root cause. Uh, we did everything we could to fix it in post, but as X-Men Origins Wolverine can tell you, you can't fix everything in post. I'm ready to go. You know what, though? After one thing. Puppy... Monkey. Oh, fuck you. Baby. You're the worst human. <laughs> There's no human worse than you. <laughs> Puppy monkey, baby. Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It's Wednesday, February 10th. This is issue number 34. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. It's February, so like traditionally my sad would be kicking in around now. But I've been spending a lot of time in the sunshine with the, uh, you know, just the general air of superiority of being Super Bowl champions. And oh. It's working out okay. You think some macho display of, of strength is going to bust through your seasonal affectiveness disorder? Well, uh, let's just say it's easy on, like, uh, the parade day when a million people are slamming in downtown Denver to just sort of, like, pretend they're happy for the reasons you could be happy. All right. I like that. Great. Um, well, whatever, whatever it takes. And, um, you know, I don't think any of our comic book pursuits are necessarily going to take you outside. So anything else that works sounds great to me. Is it, is it sunny right now in Denver? Yeah. Yeah. All our like snow has basically melted and where it's, it's nice. It's nice, nice weather. Like when everybody was out and filling the park, it was like t-shirt weather. Excellent. Well, suck it, East Coast and other locations. That's right. We're doing well. Um, I'm going to kick off with something that's been keeping me indoors, which is uh, the comic books that I've been reading recently. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the first one would be... This is this is great. I, I wanted to buy a bunch of Image comics because I love Image so much. And um, I swear they don't pay me to say this. It's just true. So I went on Twitter and solicited suggestions, and our lovely listeners just came back with so many great suggestions. So the two that I've been working through are Casanova, uh, which is a Matt Fraction mm. story uh, with Gabriel Ba and uh, Fabio Moon art. Uh, it's gorgeous. How it's... many times did you have to read Casanova before you knew what was going on? Well, someone... Someone told me that I really needed to pay attention, so... Okay, so you knew that going in. Yeah. Instead of just being like, what's this incredible thing? And then, like, reading through it and being like, okay, deep breath, back to page one. <laughs> well, I, I originally actually, on the image site, 
the first three volumes weren't available. It was like the sequel sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I downloaded that first. And then, uh, you know, the listener who recommended it to me uh, said, uh, please don't start there. This is a very complicated story. (laughs) Please start at the beginning. So I went on Comixology and found it. So it was great. Uh, And then the other one I've been reading is Wicked and Divine, which is Kieran Gillen and Jamie McAvoy, McKelvey, and that uh, I love all things mythology, so it's got a really it's got a really interesting sort of Neil Gaiman American Gods messing with your concept of deities and and the pantheon. So um, that's been really fascinating too. It's um, it's not as great as American Gods, I think. I think it could be a little bit better, but the concept is really, really interesting, and, and the art is nice. So, yeah. Those oh, you are the... like American Gods, do you? I love American Gods. Interesting. Are we going to have to do American, an American God cast, or do you hate American Gods? I dislike the simplicity of American Gods last time I read it, so maybe, you know, the show will be able to fullerize it up to my expectations. But, but I, I'm not like, oh, great, an American God show. I am thrilled that there is an American God show. But I'm a little bummed to hear. I mean, Brian Fuller was always sort of tertiary on the list of, of creatives in charge of the show. Mm-hmm. And now that he's been hired to Star Trek, I'm really worried that he's going to be even less involved than I hoped he would be. I would love if, if Brian Fuller were running it entirely, I would have no no qualms. Um, but I am excited that Neil Gaiman is involved. Their casting of Shadow is amazing. So I have high hopes for the whole thing. Yep. No one's going to see that low-key twist coming. It's ridiculous. It doesn't have to be a twist. Anyway, whatever. Um, all right. Dave, what are you reading? <laughs> oh, uh, are we, yeah, yeah. are, are we going to talk about the Marvel... Uh, Morality crisis? Yeah, that's how I have to start off, I think. Okay, all right. So Ike Perlmutter donated a million dollars to the Ike, Trump Ike, Ike Perlmutter is who for the... The CEO of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he recently probably most made, like, our new scene when Kevin Feige sort of wrested control uh, away from him over the Marvel Cinematic Universe, so he doesn't have, like, final approval on that branch as of right now, right. is the down low. Um, but, yeah, so he donated a million dollars to Donald Trump, who was having an opposition rally to the Republican debate at the time, um, and it was supposed to be for veterans, but a lot of the veterans group declined the money, so basically the money was going to Trump. And it's not the first time the Perlmutters have donated to a political candidate that's, like, horrible, but it started a debate. I think uh, Jewel Wilson um, pointed it out on her blog that, like, you kind of don't want to support somebody that's, you know, kind of like a little budding midi-fascist, and, uh, but if you stop buying comics, like we've talked about before, the sales aren't in, like, the millions all the time like we're talking about, so, uh, like, a dozen less issues is might get somebody fired down the line. And so at some point, you know, are you kind of taking these sad on creators that, uh, you know, don't matter? So I used that sort of crisis to solicit a whole bunch of opinions because I wanted to make sure that, you know, I made the right choice for me because the first decision I came to is I don't want to, like make any decisions for people especially when it's it's so 
clearly like yelling at a faceless monolith while like maybe stomping on people who do stuff that I like. So I decided that I'm going to only support the Marvel books that have things that I know Ike Perlmutter hates, which are minorities and women and leads. <laughs> um, and I only do that through uh, third-party apps or physical comic book stores. Uh, so nothing's directly going through Marvel. I canceled my Marvel Unlimited thing. Nice. I stopped reading a whole bunch of Marvel books uh, out of the Marvel app. So that's going to continue until Donald Trump stops being a Persian threat. And I feel kind of sorry for people like I don't know I'm giving up Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man which is really hard for me but like that book's not going away and I don't really feel bad if Dan Slott has to go do something else he did a great run on Silver Surfer that's over and I'm sure there's ways to support him without figuring out what Mr. Negative's up to with Chinese Peter Parker and uh yeah I don't know at some point I think it's I'm just going to catch up with all the Marvel stuff that I missed assuming that, uh, you know, we all come to our senses and, you know, around April or May, we uh, get a real Republican candidate. It is hard because not buying Marvel Comics is not going to touch Ike Perlmutter, who has billions of dollars in any way whatsoever at all. Uh, and it is going to, if if done en masse, is going to injure possibly the creatives that, you know need our money more in our support. Um, so that's a nice middle ground that you struck. I also love uh, Dave, Dave said all last year, uh, no, no politics until Star Wars, right? No presidential mm-hmm. politics until Star Wars. Now Star Wars is out there in the universe and, uh, and Dave has got his political hat on. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, no, some of my Facebook follower friends, Facebook friends, they're not followers. There's a back and forth, but uh, have not been happy about my, Reemergences, having a political conscience. Um, I will say that it's a hard. It's not as hard of a choice for me because I actually don't read a ton of Marvel. I mm. was I was gonna pick up uh, some Deadpool this week uh, to sort of try to read a storyline or two before the movie came out, but there wasn't a lot of resi- I mean, there was people had great opinions. Some people said. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Some people said the Joe Kelly run. Like these, this is what I was looking for on Comixology. None of it was on Comixology, or else Comixology is such a maddening app that I couldn't find it, um, which is true um, about Comixology. But um, <laughs> so I just skipped it, um, especially because you know uh, Robert Lightfield, who created Deadpool or co-created Deadpool, who is a Twitter friend of both of us or a Twitter acquaintance, I don't know, whatever. He had no opinion, so I was like, well, if he doesn't have an opinion, then I don't know. I, I It almost felt like I, I've seen him tweet a lot of support of this movie. He's really excited it's happening. But I also feel like he's kind of trying to distance himself from it a little bit because I know that they've added this love story and, and all this other stuff to it that, that has nothing to do. Um, maybe hmm, Distance is interesting. I mean, he's definitely wants to be part of the world of Deadpool. Uh, Latino Review launched a podcast this week called uh, Los Fanboys, which I will probably be popping up on. But uh, they launched with a three-hour episode because an hour of that is an interview interview with Rob Liefeld. Um, And it's interesting. That together with, uh, there was a piece by Jermaine Lucier. Lucier? I haven't actually asked him. I think it's Lucier. I think it's Lucier. Um, At io9 about, you know, sort of who created Deadpool because there's a whole bunch of people that 
slammed together all the pieces on top of Liefeld's initial design to create the character that is now. And the newest piece is like this love story. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there. I want to talk about the comics I've been reading. Okay, tell yes. me, sorry. Tell me about the comic books you've been I also would have picked up uh, more Deadpool if uh, Deadpool if I wasn't, you know, if I was still on all the apps, or I would have gone back and done some uh, Marvel Unlimited, but didn't happen. Um, I checked out uh, Vertigo Quarterly. Um, it's like a ver- quarterly book. Uh, it's an anthology book of a whole bunch of short stories. Uh, this is issue four of the Vertigo Quarterly, so I guess it's the first year of their quarterly. I don't know, but my friend Kay Perkins wrote a story in there that's a really beautiful story about a guy who works a blue-collar job and it like falls into a routine and his son is going to do a drag act and it causes some friction at his work and he has to figure out just how comfortable he is as somebody who's used to routine with the concept of change. And it's really, it's really nice and sweet. And especially since I also picked up uh, Superman Wonder Woman annual issue number two because Perkins got to do a, like a short story in there. I definitely like this one a lot more simply because I haven't been following the Wonder Woman storyline. Apparently she's the god of war now or goddess of war. And that was what, you know, Perkins's side story was dedicated to was sort of Diana telling that uh, to Clark. So although I knew all the characters and the emotions that were going into it, I wasn't really following the plot. So I was really nice. It was really nice to see this vertical cor- Vertigo Quarterly have a whole bunch of uh, interesting little short stories. All of the art is amazing. I haven't finished reading all the books, or all the short stories, but just flipping through all of the art is great. So maybe I should be paying more attention to Vertigo in coming weeks. Uh, I'm also doing Batman, uh, which is amazing i don't really how much do you know about what's happening in batman joanna uh commissioner gordon is batman is that still yes. true okay that's what uh, I know. yeah and that he's, so that he's wearing the armor right yes commissioner gordon's batman he's facing this uh his like sort of first nemesis which is this guy called Bloom, who has mutant powers to sort of, like, expand and contract at will. Not like Ant-Man. These aren't, like, you know, he doesn't look like a human. It's like his finger will grow giant so he could stab somebody with it like a knife. So Jim Gordon's in, like, dire straits. And as this story's been being told, uh, we kind of get the idea, or we start seeing uh, a happy Bruce Wayne living a life with, like, a girlfriend and uh, last issue, he met what might have been a resurrected Joker who supposedly died in the last story arc with Bruce Wayne. So it was all kind of confusing, but Batman 49, which came out today, sort of clears it up in that uh, Bruce has been, like, making Bruce Wayne clones, but he hasn't been able to, like, perfect the process of, like, re like them. So they could have, like, surface memories of being Bruce Wayne and be okay, but the second you try to import, like, everything Batman means into, like, this Bruce Wayne clone, it kills them. What? Yes. Okay. So the whole issue is sort of like Jim Gordon's about to die, and so this Bruce Wayne clone finds his way back to the mansion, and one-handed Alfred, who got he got his hand chopped off at some point, one-handed Alfred is like, no, sir, I can't do this to you. Like, you're going to kill yourself. And he's like, no, Batman has to be, you know, to save the city and the usual Batman thing. 
But then, like, as he's going through this process of basically being, like, shocked to brain death, and then they input Batman over everything that was Bruce Wayne, like, Bruce Wayne has to die to become Batman, it starts flashing through, like, different alternate universe iterations of Batman who are, like, saying the dialogue of the main universe Batman. And I don't know if it's something I missed in Convergence or if this is what uh, Snyder's building up to, to, like, a huge issue 50, which is supposed to be, like, massive and overpacked with the uh, action and plot uh but i don't know it's 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 been interesting and it's definitely like all scott snyder does a good way of having a villain but really keeping it centered on a meditation on batman so i'm sad he's gonna leave after issue 51 this april so that was announced today or when was that announced that scott snyder's leaving uh, that was announced this week. Uh, there's been rumors that he's just going to jump from Batman to Detective Comics, and then Detective Comics will go monthly, and Batman will speed up to bi-monthly. Um, but right now, Batman's their best-selling title, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens if people follow Snyder, because he's going to be writing the same character. It's just uh, Detective Comics gives more leeway in what storylines you could follow, uh, whereas Batman sort of has to be about what what it is to be Batman, or at least that's what it's been since the New 52 launch, which he has been doing since then. Okay. Have you been reading anything else? Uh, I've been reading all new, all different Avengers, and I checked out Spider-Man number one. Uh, they're pretty sweet. All new, all different Avengers is pretty cool. If you decide you want to pick up some Marvel after all this is done... I would say pick that because it's like there's Captain America, uh, Falcon Captain America, Lady Thor, Iron Man, uh, and Vision are like the adults. And then uh, Miles Morales, Kamala Khan, and Nova are like the kids. And the way they deal with Avengers levels threats is like as a really cool team, which sometimes when... Jonathan Hickman is writing the Avengers to have a gigantic crossover event that's going to destroy everything. Like teamwork isn't like part of like the Avengers story, but it's really nice for somebody who's been missing like traditional Spider-Man to see him and Kamala Khan be with like their idols, essentially like I'm flying around with Iron Man and Oh my God, that's the vision. And that's as fun as it is. And then they're doing this cool thing with Lady Thor or just Thor, but the lady version where because she's Jane Foster and dying of cancer, she has, like, this lust for life when she's in, like, the Thor body. So she just, like, suddenly kissed Captain America after, like, a battle once. And Captain America's like, what's that? She's like, seize the day! And, of course, course, Tony Stark's like, that's a weird thing for an immortal to say, but either way, it was it's kind of cool take on the character. It's a cool take on all the characters without any of these characters having to, like, drag in crap from their individual books, which I appreciate. Cool. Um, this feels like that feels like a good way to zag to a listener email. Um, this one came from Mark Rodriguez, and this is he he was writing this I think in response to us talking about whether or not we would want an Asian or an Asian American lead on Iron Fist, uh, which we did in our last episode, Netflix's series. Um, and he says it'd be kind of cool if there were a Latino lead on a superhero show too. By the way, Latinos have been shortened across the board more so than African-Americans. There was a male lead black character on Star Trek, never a Latino. Voyager had 
Robert Beltran, who played Native American. Star Wars had Lando Calrissian. None of the Marvel superheroes in the films is Latino. X-Men had a new mutant in the alt-future scenes, who was Brazilian, I believe. DC Comics has none among its roster either. Even if Marvel eventually does Miles Morales, he's only half Latino and doesn't speak Spanish, so what's the point? I'll get off my soapbox now. Um... I'm not, I am like far be it from me <laughs> to throw like a token something at anyone ever. But we are going to talk about the Flash this week, and I mean Cisco's my favorite character on the Flash, so there is at least Cisco Ramon going. But but it's not a lead in a show by any means. So, um, Dave, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, it would be cool to have a lead. Um, it's interesting because. You almost just want him to just be Latino and just sort of have that be part of his life, but I'm not sure that you'd be able to do that without doing something like they did with Miss Marvel and be like, anchor it completely in the culture. Like, you know, not only make her, you know, uh, a minority, but make her a Muslim or something like that. And I'm not sure exactly where... I'd be most interested to see a Latino superhero do that, Um, which isn't to say, once again, that it shouldn't be done. I just agree completely that it would be cool if there was a Latino lead on a superhero show. Uh, But as far as Latino, like, awesomeness on television, uh, I just always just watch my favorite Edward James Olmos uh, Battlestar Galactica episodes, of which there are many, because I wish that man was my grandpa. I mean, no, to speak to your, um, this has nothing to do with, you know, Battlestar is at least sci-fi adjacent, you know, geek adjacent. This this is a completely different genre entirely. But Jane the Virgin is one of my favorite shows on television. And so I was just thinking about what you were saying about integrating the culture. You know, could someone just be a Latino lead or, or do they need to be a Latino lead who is bilingual or, or talks about their culture a lot and that sort of thing? I love what Jane the Virgin does because it's not a show about being latino necessarily but it kind of is i mean it's just it's a really really great um like it's just such a solid show would be a solid show if nobody on the show were latino but almost everyone on the show is and you know they speak spanish about a quarter of every episode and it's just it's an amazing show so, so you know like and jane is basically a superhero but not quite but but something like that I, I mean i i i would love to see that i think that would be amazing and and he's absolutely right i mean even when i mean even when we talk to larger uh, conversations about diversity like you know the oscar's so white i mean usually oscar's so white gets framed against like okay which which african american or um you know idris elba's did we leave out of the oscar racist year but like as george clooney of all people pointed out latinos hardly ever even come into the conversation at all you know or or asian american actors you know it, it's um it often becomes this question of like white versus black um, with the Danny Rand Iron Fist thing, we were talking about Asian leads, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm all for a Latino. I mean, give Cisco his own show, that would be so enjoyable to me. Um, do you want to talk about this week's Flash? Ooh, are we are we to this week's Flash already? Because there's a lot to unpack in this week's Flash. Do you want to talk about Deadpool first? Uh, we can talk about Deadpool first. For our general audiences, before we just scare them away with all this, like, nitpicking about it. 
Dave, crazy awesome Flash episode. Dave's the one who wants to go super... To clarify, Dave's the one who wants to go super deep on the Flash. I just want to talk about the singing, but um, there's yeah. a time There's a time tunnel through multiple dimensions with character introductions. Of course, I want to talk about the Flash in detail. All right, we'll get to the Flash then. Let's start with Deadpool. Uh, we, we are recording specifically this week and next week, so we can talk about leading up to the Deadpool movie, which, which premieres this Friday, and then our reaction to the Deadpool movie. Um, I'm seeing it on Friday night with some friends. Um, let's see. I've Like I said, I've not read a single Deadpool comic Obviously, I saw Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool in, what was it, Wolverine? Is it, what was the name of that X-Men one? X-Men Origins X-Men Wolverine. Origins. X-Men Origins Wolverine. I did see Ryan Reynolds in that. I saw uh, the trailer that everyone saw that was at Comic-Con. But there was also, like, a fun intro out of, char- like, in character from Ryan Reynolds that I'm not sure made it out to the world. Um, yeah, I mean... The, in the room, I mean, I, so I'm seeing Deadpool on Friday in the biggest theater we have with hopefully as many people as possible because I think that's the best way to enjoy Deadpool because when I was in the room at Comic-Con and they played that trailer and then they played that trailer again, you know, there there was something about the joy in the room that made it so enjoyable for me. And I think some people roll their eyes at that kind of group think, but I think they're, you know, uh, th- that's how I most enjoyed watching Star Wars. So I, I think that's my best chance of really enjoying this film. Uh, Dave, what do you want to say about Deadpool? Um, I guess I'm mostly like greeting it as an old friend. Um, there, yeah, I've been around Deadpool on film since the, almost 10 years now, let's say. Ever since Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds is being circled to play Wade Wilson in X-Men Origins Wolverine. And then that crashed and burned. And that, because I remember reporting on that when that was happening. And then that crashed and burned, and then they tried to get the momentum of everybody saying they screwed up Deadpool, like volleyed into this solo Deadpool script, and then they wrote it, and it was good, and then someone sent it to me, and I got to read it, I'm like, holy shit, this is good. And then they shot something with Ryan Reynolds that ended up getting leaked to the internet. Quote-unquote leaked, right? intentionally leaked to the internet after I'm sure somebody at Fox saw it and said, absolutely not. This is cool, but we're not going to go in this direction. Um, and after the internet response happened, they're like, yeah, we'll give you like, I don't know, 30, 30 to $50 million to make an R rated superhero movie. Why not? We'll put you in this year with literally every other superhero that's ever been committed to film coming back to film. So Deadpool gets to kick us off, and I'm really interested to see how the script that I read way back when evolved into what's now going to be a piece of the Fox X universe, because uh, like I know that the Deadpool 2 has already been greenlit, and that's going to introduce some more characters and maybe uh, integrate uh, him in, because Ryan Reynolds is definitely of the star caliber that if you need to form a post- James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender team of like Ryan Reynolds, Sophie Turner, and Channing, Channing Tatum. Tatum. Yeah, you might as well you might as well throw those throw the dice on all those. Although I have a theory about how they could keep Hugh Jackman around, which I think I wrote about today on Latino-Review.com. But I mean, something that you said on the on the podcast of Origin, Fighting in the War Room, uh, I believe, was that the script 
that you saw that you thought was really great, you think has been changed to be largely fan service? Is that is that accurate to how you feel? Um, uh, I mean, there was a lot of fan service to begin with. The initial script took like loads of shots at X-Men Origins Wolverine and at Ryan Reynolds himself, uh, like pretty much from the beginning. And I hear like some of those elements are still in there. But I think that there's, like, uh, now, like, they might actually go to the X-Mansion and make some, like, fourth wall-breaking jokes. And there's obviously new added Green Lantern jokes. And uh, I I think, like, I wouldn't necessarily say fan service, because the initial script was, like, pretty much what you wanted Deadpool to be on screen. But I think it got a little warped towards the end to be like, well, maybe if fans really like this, we could massage this R-rated superhero into our PG-13 universe. So I think uh, like some X-Men stuff was added and pulled back from the original draft. We'll see. Something um, I totally lied earlier when I said I never read a Deadpool comic because... I've read Squirrel Girl, and Deadpool is, like, this great little narrator for that occasionally pops up. There's, like, the, he has, like, the Deadpool trading cards, and when there's a new character that you've never met but is known maybe in the Marvel Universe, there's, like, these little Deadpool inserts. Have you read Squirrel Girl? I have read Squirrel Girl. Yeah, I'm right, right? I'm not crazy that there are these, like, yeah, little Deadpool inserts that are really, really fun. So that's my only... Uh, knowledge of the character on on the page. Uh, well, the, I, the reason people would tell you to start reading the Joe Kelly run is because I think he's the one that came up with that, and it initially started with instead of having like a block of text recapping stuff in the '90s because that's how complex storylines were across multiple books. He was like, "Well, what if we just have Deadpool tell the audience?" Yeah, and then because Deadpool's that type of book, they also like wrote the. Uh, letters column in Deadpool's voice as if Deadpool was answering letters and then slowly just bled in between the pages so that Deadpool just never stopped being able to talk to the audience. That's great. That's really great. So yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Dave seems to think I, I might not like this movie. Um, I am going I don't know, into... Uh, we don't share a lot of boner jokes just like in life or like sodomy jokes or poop jokes. That's yeah, but I... The nature, the tenor of our conversation. It's true, but... TJ Miller. I don't know, man. TJ Miller. That's my mm-hmm. counter. That's my counter argument. Is TJ right. Miller. Um, yeah, so we'll, we will see. We shall see. No, it's true. I mean, um, the per, uh, the person I know, I don't think I don't think she listens to this podcast, so I'm just going to say it. The person I know who loves Deadpool the most. She loves Deadpool and also her favorite jokes are fart jokes. So that overlapping Venn diagram is slightly troublesome to me because fart jokes are not something that make me laugh. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I right. Like, like that, I, Deadpool likes chimichanga because chimichanga is fun to say. Yeah. Like that's the extent of that like character trait. So if that sort of thing's up your alley, but I, I mean, that I, plus cursing equals Deadpool. I feel like I've seen. I feel like I, they've showed me what Deadpool is already. And I haven't, like, curled my lip at it. I've been like, this looks fun, you know, in a goofy way. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk briefly about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I will say my favorite thing that James Gunn said, and then maybe you will say your favorite thing that James Gunn said. Uh, my favorite thing that he said is that, uh, I'm going to misquote it. 
But he said Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is called Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because, and he made up some subtitles like Guardians of the Galaxy Rise of the Dawn of the Planet of the Justice League or whatever is a paragraph. Basically making fun of the Batman v Superman title. And that's great. And I'm so happy because I'm so done with colon subtitle. And I was really okay back in the day when it was just like, Whatever it is, and the number two. So it's Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Whatever it is, it's not cumbersome thing to say. Uh, Dave, what do you want to say about what James Gunn said about Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, I like your interpretation of that. I have a different interpretation oh. of why it's called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. As well, if it'll be the second lineup of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But we'll get there when we get... Well, and also Volume 2 because of the, the whole mixtape thing. Like, that's obviously part of it but yeah. okay interesting all right go ahead anyway um uh, he said to in a facebook q a which james gunn does every once in a while on his facebook page which is great is we're not really so much about the infinity stones in guardian to guardians 2 is that a spoiler it's not really a thing end That's quote the best news ever such so we already news. know that thanos isn't in the movie such uh, good news from earlier and now just like don't worry about infinity stones guardians does not have to worry about that all parental drama at this point have you told katie rich yet has she done like a celebratory dance about it you know she hates thanos and probably takes a nap anytime you ever talk about an infinity stone so that's true but yeah. that's just shifting the infinity stone that we thought was going to be in guardians to somewhere else that's fine because the avengers franchise is already kind of like messed up for me after Age of Ultron, which I didn't like. So if they can keep Guardians of the Galaxy pure, which I liked the first Guardians of the Galaxy a lot, so they can keep that franchise a little pure. Well, the first Guardians of the Galaxy is just as polluted as the rest of the Marvel movies, because it has do-nothing Thanos and long Benicio del Toro, these are the meanings of everything speech. It still it wasn't, had, it just, wasn't as oppressive as some of the, it did have do-nothing Thanos, though. Which is what I just want to call him from now on. Even when he starts to do things, I'm going to call him Do Nothing Thanos. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So that's our Guardians of the Galaxy news, right? Do, do you want to know where the Infinity Stones are? I think I know. Let's save it. Let's save that. Okay. All right. <laughs> our listeners right now are like, Joanna, how dare you put a lid on that? Okay. Um, well, no, we, we got a lot of heat for accidentally just barging into Batman v Superman yeah. Dawn of Justice uh, spoilers last time, which I apologize for. I also apologize for that, and we will try to do better. So this is us doing better. Yeah, um, that warming was not ample. No. And we apologize. <laughs> uh, I, I want to quickly talk about the state of, of female uh, comic book shows. Um, Please do. This is, this is, your, this is your report. Uh, just, you know, so Jessica Jones is getting a season two, but Agent Carter, it looks like, is not getting a season three, possibly, because Haley Atwell has been cast in another ABC show that sounds abysmal and boring. So, well, that's sure. That's one of the reasons. Uh, Keep going. Dave. I don't like when you lord your knowledge over me and don't share it. Anyway, um... Well, I, do, I could share it right now if you want. But, I, I mean... Okay, potential spoilers for... No, 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 no. Okay, okay, no. okay, okay. No. Um... Okay. We can talk about that later. <laughs> we can warn people amply about that. Um, 
But, but okay. So yeah, uh, Agent Carter probably not getting a season three. Can you can can you just confirm or deny that? You think that's the case, right? I think if it doesn't get a season three, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the quality of the show, but what well, the, they're allowed to do with some of the pieces. The ratings are not good, so that's uh, let's just. Uh, put that into evidence um i will say i watched um i like a lot what they've been doing this season um i'm sorry that the ratings aren't great because i think they fixed a lot of their mistakes chiefly there's a lot less chad michael murray um there's a great villain in the madame mask character they did a great parallel origin story episode uh with peggy and the madame mask character sort of you know, I, I was really hard on Agent Carter season one in terms of hitting me over the head with the feminism. This is also like an exploration of women and what they're allowed to do at this time in the 40s, uh, but in a, a slightly more elegant way, which I quite liked. And and just these parallel origin stories of our hero and our villain was really great. Um, and Jarvis continues to be fantastic and everything. Uh, the other thing is Supergirl. Here's what I've decided my beef with Supergirl is. It's not the show itself. It's the network and the time. Oh. If this were mm. not a C- CBS, like, uh, adult time slot drama or whatever you want to call it, uh, I would have no problem with it. I wouldn't necessarily watch it. But, you know, let's say, I mean, if it were a CW show or let's say, I don't know, a kid show in the morning. I mean, I know it's more adult than that, but... Uh, Point being, I met two little girls, and this is the argument I keep hearing from people about Supergirl. I met two little girls, or I know them, actually, at a Super Bowl party this weekend. Their favorite show is Supergirl. They um, have been dressing as princesses at Halloween's past, but, like, all Halloween's forward, they want to be Supergirl. And I think that's really cool. I think that's great. And, like, it's a fine show for a little girl uh, to, you know, and I hear that from a lot of our listeners or a lot of my Twitter followers who are parents who are like, yeah, I hear you about your complaints about Supergirl not being as good as it could be, but I know this young woman who really, really loves it. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's great. I think that's really cool. Um, But I think the fact that it's being sort of classed as a CBS drama, so I seem to think, like, it could be better not that CBS is my favorite network, but like that it could be more sophisticated, cooler. You know, I will always remember, fondly remember my time with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that, you know, that it is not uh, and never will be. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I can get closer to just being like, you know what? Supergirl's not for me, but it's for a bunch of people and that's fine. Um, that being said, I Supergirl ratings are also not that great. Um, and maybe in an attempt to boost them, they're doing what I think they originally said they weren't going to do, which is a flashover between, a uh, flashover, a crossover between The Flash and Supergirl, which is... It will gr- be great. It will be great. Those those universes do seem to go together. We do like these Glee alums uh, hanging out together. That's fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't plan to watch any more Supergirl to, like, get caught up. I will watch the crossover episode, but... I don't plan to, like, make sure my Supergirl foundation is firm before I get there. Does any of that make sense? Any of my Supergirl rambling thoughts? Yeah, it makes complete sense. I mean, ultimately, the few times I've checked in with Supergirl, it's just a weaker show than the CW shows because it hasn't 
completely zeroed in on its like major theme yet. Like Arrow has family, Flash has fathers, and Legends of Tomorrow has like reputation and consequences. It's kind of sort of weaving between the two, but it's only four episodes in, and still it's like trying to narrow down on like the pain in which all of its conflict are going to be sprung from. Like feminism and sisters and being like a powerful woman like all dealt with is three separate things in like alternating episodes or sometimes even alternating scenes and sometimes not even really dealt with just stated it still feels kind of weird for supergirl but i think if it hits the ground running its second season and knows what it's doing it has the benefit of being the dc property that gets to screw around with their galactic you know space world because Arrow and Flash are not about to bring aliens in, and uh, Supergirl really quickly brought in like Martian Manhunter and all, the, all these alien threats. So I think there's a place for it. It just needs to figure out what the base of Kara is going to be. Kara is moving forward. And I mean, this exactly what you say in terms of it being the themes being stated, like the themes of you know the fact that that Kara. You know, misses her mom, is threatened by her evil aunt, has her sister, has a female boss. Okay, so these are all like, you know, woman to woman connections, which is interesting. But it's overstated and overboiled, which you get sometimes with Agent Carter, too, and sometimes with Jessica Jones. And I know some people have issues with Joss Whedon's brand of feminism, but something I just love about Buffy the Vampire Slayer so much is that it just wasn't a show about. I mean, yeah, the whole concept is she's a blonde cheerleader type who can kick everyone's ass, and and that's an interesting subversion of whatever. She's not the damsel in distress. But it wasn't every single episode like, yeah, because I'm a girl, I can do this. You know, it just, she just was great, and that's what I continue to wish to see, which is just a woman who is great and doesn't need to explain to me that it's crazy that she's great because she's a woman. Do you know? It just, um... I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, maybe I will never get my Buffy the Vampire Slayer replacement. And that's okay. I can, I can make peace with that someday. Um, do you want to talk about Legends of Tomorrow? Yeah. How much have you, have you seen? None of it. Oh, no. I actually of haven't it. seen any of it yet. So it's um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy meets Doctor Who. And uh, White Canary is awesome on it. And the pilot episode, I was like, the weak link here are the Hawk people. Since, like, this guy just showed up basically just for the pilot. And we're supposed to believe he's, like, meant for Hawk Girl because they're reincarnated all the time. Basically all the crap from the Flash Arrow crossover. That episode like, was the- terrible. Sorry. And the second I was like, this guy's the weak link. They kill him in the second half of the pilot to make him like the Agent Coulson just so like everybody has to move forward. They killed Hawkeye? Yeah, Hawkeye's Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. And then Brandon Ruth is, you know, killing it as the character that basically has no motivation outside of he wants to be remembered. So it's like, that's kind of cool. Uh, we got to visit younger Stein in the past. So Firestorm's had some... Crackle and then uh, Wentworth Miller and Prison Break Brother are just great in like, I don't know, blunt situations and time travel. Uh, be they trying to blend in with nuclear arms dealers 
or trying to just go to a bar in the 70s. Yeah, I heard uh, that I heard that bar fight scene was really great. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it's really so. it's really sweet. Uh they found a balance between action where even though it's like a each episode has to have like a smaller action scene before they get to like the big action scene because the big action scenes are crazy. They're like long continuous takes of like eight people fighting and two of them can fly and one of them can shrink and like several of them can shoot things fire ice it's like when the all the whole thing's going crazy it's crazy but it's so doctor who in the sense that like thus far the plots have been like we're gonna go back and kill savage oh no we left behind some of the adam's tech we have to rewrite history now but we can't cross our own timelines because that might cause and i'm like oh my god yes so i'm really not concerned with the fact that there isn't going to be a new series of doctor who coming up because we have legends of tomorrow now it's in superheroes with doctor who how much does rory being there help you like get that doctor who feeling from it i mean that's definitely what i was on the lookout for but like he basically they're they're writing that too he's constantly like i'm a time lord you don't know the consequences of well he doesn't say time lord or time whatever he is and it's like it's so doctor Who-y. so uh, i mean i think people who have been exposed to the property before will come across even if it's not a rory year will come across the comparison because just the way they like make up the rules of the plot on the fly and it somehow works just on the charm or whatever's happening on that moment feels like doctor who and so yeah the, the, this week tonight this week no tomorrow a Thursday, they break they break into the Pentagon during the Cold War. So, ah, cha 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 cha. <laughs> we're getting so close to Wentworth Miller rides a dinosaur. It's so possible on this show. I'm so happy. I do love a heist. I do love a heist. Okay, great. That's that. That'll be my homework. Part of my homework between now and next week when we talk. I promise to watch some Legends of Tomorrow. I let Java watch just thirty seconds of it once. I'm like, look what I'm watching, and it was one of those crazy flyby battle things. And then Hawkeye got stabbed, and then like his soul came out of his face. And I'm like, yeah. And it was just, it's just so completely different. I know his name is not. I know his name is not Hawkeye, right? Because that's too close. It's Hawkman. To Hawkeye, yeah. But I'm, I like. There's no better recommendation you've given me for this show than to tell me that Hawkeye dies. Uh, because, because that crossover episode, I mean, Hawkgirl was fine, but when, when Hawkeye slash man showed up, I was like, forget it, I'm out. So it's great to know. Thanks for telling me that. Okay. Yeah. Both We're- Arrow and Flash have been getting better now that this show has managed to birth itself. Oh, I know. Now that they're no longer, their sole reason to exist is to push this show out into the world. Spin off as many superheroes <laughs> as possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we're going to do another quick listener email before we get into the Flash episode and then some spoiler stuff. So this is from Matthew from Texas. He says, howdy from Texas. Been a listener of the podcast for a good year and a half now. Love what y'all do. Your impressions of... <laughs> I didn't even mean to do an impression. Sorry. Your, your impressions and recommendations of comics is refreshing. Sad to hear that the podcast will be brought to twice a month. Hopefully it will be the same great podcast we all know and love. Anywho, I've gotten back into comic collecting after many years hiatus of work and school, been obtaining numerous first appearances and origin issues. However, I've run across a problem. Example, 
When researching Shimagoreth, an obscure Doctor Strange villain, several wes- websites listed his first appearance as Marvel Premiere number five. In that issue, he is only named, not making a true full body appearance till number 10, number nine being a floating head cameo, of course. I only came across this fact after many days of searching through forums and scans, listening, um, Listings of Agent Venom are listings of Agent Venom are the same. I.e. Secret Avengers number twenty three being first time named and Amazing Spider Man number six five four is his first appearance. Is there any fact checked encyclopedia source that lists this kind of information, especially what kind of appearance it might be? It would do wonders on my sanity and wallet size if y'all could help me out. Keep up the great work. P.S. I've also been very interested in costume appearances as well. Ever since the Spider-Verse event, any reliable source for all the different Spider-Men, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girls, and their many outfit changes. P.P.S. I don't mind if you hear this question in a future podcast. I'm sure I'm not the only one that has come across this problem. Okay. And the great title of this this email was what? First Full Cameo? Is that what this is called? Cameo First Full. Full. Cameo first full. So that's a great, like, sort of, let's break down the various ways in which a character will appear, name drop, actual appearance, appearance in costume, you know, appearance not just as a floating head, etc. So this is something that that, that uh, set your spidey senses tingling, Dave? Well, I mean, especially the PS, because I don't know if we've actually talked about it before, but I collect action figures of alternate Spider-Man costumes. Or just different versions of the Spider-Man costume. It has to appear in a comic or... Eh, I'm just sometimes expanded the things that have appeared in the TV shows if, like, the idea is cool enough. But, I like, I'm not, like, going out and buying, like, bath time squirt Spider-Man or whatever the hell those other, like, all things are. So I I'm definitely found myself in this position, and I wanted to read the email on the show because as far as I know, what he's talking about doesn't exist and it'd be really cool if it does because this sort of thing like happens all the time. You could have a whole bunch of like comic book reference references, but what you're really looking is like for an internet source that's you know being like cross-checked and edited because these things are actively happening. Characters are being created and introduced all the time. There's a new Chitari and the all the new all different Avengers, for instance. I think or unless he's from Nova. Or was that from before or after? Different ah. conversation, Dave. Okay. <laughs> Point being, like, unless it's Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. How many times a day do you do that? Like, is that a thing you do? I've never heard you course correct yourself back that way. Okay, sorry. Oh, you mean, like, get off, get I feel off like, a tangent? I feel like you just became more self-aware. Like, the, the AI has become more self-aware inside your head. Okay. Well, ahead. if we go down that tangent of whether or not Nova's continuity has been held through the eight months of the Secret War thing, I just feel we'd be getting off track. So, back on track. Uh-huh. I don't... Or like, unless the character is really specifically a popular character that's been researched, like, at no one... Like, there's probably a resource out there. For my Spider-Man things, there was actually, like, posters you can order that's, like, every year an alternate costume showed up. And there are tons of Spider-Man resources that will show you the alternate costumes pretty much uh, up through Secret Wars. The new one with the glowing green spider emblem and the armpit webs back, I haven't seen listed on a whole bunch of these things. But point being, like, Spider-Man and, like, the good characters are out there. All the side characters, it's, like, the sort of thing that you need, like, that Marvel Unlimited has been so good with helping 
is that you kind of have to like go back or like he's saying check scans or start cross-referencing websites like both Marvel and DC keep like certain databases of their characters but they aren't as specific as you like the difference between a floating head or a mention uh, especially for some of like the weirder side characters or the distinctions between certain characters uh, is something Wikipedia is bad at so then it's like, well, which version of Venom were you talking about? And then you're down a whole hole that hasn't been, like, fact-checked since Venom showed up, uh, you know, last week. So I don't think there's a constantly churning resource out there, but if anybody knows about it, please share, because it would be so cool to just have that. So and then also, we, if we knew about it, we can contribute to it, and obviously they need a whole bunch of obsessives like us uh, to make it a thing. So that's bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. If you have... If you know of a of a resource like this, or if you want to start a massive project, we support you in all your OCD ways, and you would be helping the collecting community as a whole. So there you go. Bubble your thoughts at gmail.com. We want a first full cameo sort of breakdown of uh, characters. The end. And thank you to Matthew from Texas for writing in. This is where we talk about yeah. The Flash. We're going to talk about The Flash. If you don't watch The Flash... This might be a little boring, so you might want to skip ahead. If you want to hear some spoilers, I'm going to have Dave address those two things that I shut him down on in a little spoiler section. But uh, Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I loved about this episode. First of all, to once again over-rely on my love of Buffy, I will say that there is a great season three episode called Doppelgangland of Buffy Vampire Slayer, where they go, there's, you know, an alternate universe, and they meet their doppelgangers, and a bunch of them are evil, and this this episode could not be leaning more on that great episode of television, except I'm sure it happened in comics before it happened on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anyway, point being... This episode did lack some of the layers that that episode has in terms of them meeting their doppelgangers reveals sort of emotional things about themselves. And whereas, you know, we saw when Cisco met his doppelganger in this episode in his Earth 2 version, we saw maybe some of his potential, which we might explore. I don't feel like Caitlin being Killer Frost... Uh, taught us anything about Caitlin in in Earth One? Do you know? So I think um, there there could have been a slightly stronger connective tissue between all of the different uh, doppelgangers and versions. Uh, that being said, it was a really fun episode, especially the first half. Before I don't know, Joe died and everything got really heavy. I think the first <laughs> half, where it, where it was like a lot of comedy was really good. Or even some of the more dramatic stuff, like Barry talking to his mom on the phone. Um, and then, you know, watching Jesse L. Martin sing, which is something everyone in the world has asked him about, is like, when does he get to sing on The Flash? He finally, They just finally rolled over and let him sing in this episode. Um, actually, when I talked to him, I asked him, A, when he was going to sing, and B, what his Earth 2 character, like, would be. And... I don't know if he knew this episode was coming, but he dodged both of those answers pretty pretty neatly. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that was really fun. I think the back half was not as strong. Uh, and, of course, we're going to have a part two. I really think, like, the Earth-1 stuff that was going on at the same time was very uh, weak. Mostly because I think Caitlin is a, is a weak link on the show in general. Um, but it was mm. fun to see uh, Robbie and Mel back and... Yeah. All right. Dave, what do you want to say about Earth 2? 
Uh, okay. Well, I think for me, I mean, definitely the stuff you were saying about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I hear that because I got to live that more recently with uh, Fringe, which was my favorite alternate universe doppelganger use as an exploration of character and the strengths of certain actors and actresses. But because it's a DC comic book uh, TV series, Earth 2 means time for the Easter eggs. So it was basically like a super fun Easter egg hunt for me. Everything from like Barry Allen's wearing a bow tie like his character usually does in the comics to like all the stuff we get to see in the time portal, which included Supergirl and the old Flash TV series and our first look at uh, maybe Connor Hawk or an older Oliver Queen, uh, but definitely our future Green Arrow and uh, first look at Jonah Hex was in there. Uh, there was a Legion of Superheroes ring, which is weird because that's much further in the future than we've even referenced in The Flash. Uh, Jonah Hex was in the Time Warp. Uh, I don't know if I already said that. You did. did. You, you, Jonah, did. You, you Jonah Hex twice. Sorry, go ahead. Well, that, no, that's because I was, I was psyched to see, because he's going to appear on... Legends of Tomorrow, not here. So basically, they just used Flash to just seed everything they have planned up to the moment that they have it planned. So they know they want to do a Gorilla City episode, but they don't know when, so they threw it in there. It's sort of like the equivalent of putting Killer Frost in the time zone in the uh, season one finale and then having her pay off here. So that's super fun. So everything in the time warp is something that could potentially pay off. The other things are just like Easter eggs, like Bruce, Hal, and Diana being on Barry's uh, speed dial. And, right, uh, those being stuff uh, like that. Bruce Wayne, Diana, and uh, yeah, Hal Jordan. Justice League, yeah, Justice League that, on the speed dial, yeah. But, I mean, that's funny Society because... the Justice Society seal, I think, in the police, the police center. I think that was just a nonsense Easter egg, but we'll see. But do you think Earth 2 Barry is a superhero, or is he just friends with these people because Earth 2 Barry was not as it seemed like he wasn't a superhero but he's got members of the Justice League on speed dial yeah I think because in that like the in that Earth it's the Justice Society so Clark Kent might be just a normal dude just like Barry Allen is right the Justice League isn't the same in Earth 2 that's so like the the police seal or whatever that's in the things is like a justice and society, uh, or a just and fair society, I think it says. But it's basically hinting at the Justice Society of America, which is the Justice League of Earth 2. So I think it's just Easter eggy. I think the only things that are going to have a direct influence on the plot are the stuff that we saw in the time tunnel because we know he's going to be crossing over with Supergirl and we know Jonah Hex is going to show up on Legend of Tomorrow and we know that the producers have talked about wanting to do uh, Gorilla City. Um, there's been some question, I mean, I'm still riding hard for the notion that John Wesley Ship's um, character whose name I forgot once again, Barry Allen's dad. Henry? Um, Henry Allen, God. Um, I was talking about him last week, and I called him Ethan Allen, which was, like, hilarious to me. That's a furniture store. Okay, so Henry Allen, um, that he is Zoom. But I think some people, because Eddie 
Eddie's name is on speed dial, so Eddie Thon is alive in Earth 2, so they think that Eddie is actually Zoom. I mean, I still think it's John Wesley Ship. And John Wesley Ship's Flash showed up in the time portal, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. It's just a reminder that he's still around. Okay. Um, yes. All this is true. What else do you want to talk about? I mean... I guess that's it. I'm wondering how expansive they're going to make this universe in like a third season of Flash and a what fifth season of Arrow and a second season of Legends of Tomorrow because like this whole second universe thing really is throwing a whole bunch of stuff on the fire. So like if Supergirl's in a different Earth and then you know the because we know in the future there's going to be a new green arrow because oliver queen's going to have his arm cut off and then in legends of tomorrow uh rip why do whatever why do we know why do we know oliver queen's gonna have his arm cut off oh Stephen amell has announced that he's going to cameo is goateed one-armed green arrow and it's one arm in homage to the dark knight returns uh graphic novel where in the future green arrow only has one arm is that a spoiler is that a spoiler for i mean the producers of legends of tomorrow have said it and robbie amell have said it or Stephen amell said it okay Stephen amell. so this, this I, is like this is like an alt or a future okay future oliver queen one-armed legends of tomorrow that's that's how Oliver Queen's going to cameo on Legends of Tomorrow. It's not going to be Ariel, Arrow coming in. It's going to be like this future version. And we're going to meet his son who takes on the mantle of Green Arrow. So there's going to be like a future Green Arrow. Mm. But it's interesting because that means that there's like a future where the Dark Knight happens. And on Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Rory said, I've seen uh, Men of Steel die and Dark Knights fall. And I'm like, oh, oh God, there's a timeline where that happens. Jesus, okay. So uh, it's like if Legends of Tomorrow is doing just time travel but not multiple dimensions, it's going to be interesting to see Flash do multiple dimensions and how much all of these shows are going to pass back and forth without infringing on everybody's little corner of the DC universe, which come with like a set of different characters they could use. So basically there's like a justice league for every time and dimension. So you know, they could flash could do the justice society and the legion of superheroes, which are from the 31st century can, you know, be the the legends of tomorrow, like version of the justice league. And they could like slowly build crazy little justice leagues that aren't the justice league. It's going to be, the potential in these shows of rapid universe expansion is kind of jaw-dropping. And the potential of them to buckle in under the weight of too much, like Age of Ultron did, is also jaw-dropping. Is my well, but they keep, cynical point of view on that, you know? They keep anchoring really well. Like you said, last night was crazy, but then Joe had to die because fathers and were in there to help Jesse Quick because fathers... And Arrow's gonna, you know, kill off a member of Oliver's family, because family and Legends of Tomorrow, they're all trying to become legends, because it turns out they weren't. They're like, history forgets them, so they're all gonna make their mark on history. And it's gonna... Well, I yeah, mean, here's the thing. Can... What I want to say about Earth 2 is is the way in which they killed off so many characters felt like such a huge waste to me. Did I already say this? And, um, I mean, I guess that there's always a possibility, or definitely a possibility for, like, Earth 3 or Earth 4 or Earth 5, but I feel like it would have been great to just 
leave that universe coexisting with Joe as a jazz singer. I didn't. I. I mean, I didn't really need a Joe death scene, and I didn't really need Cisco's great evil character to die either. Like, I think it would have been great to keep them around and occasionally visit with them. You know, so. Mm, yeah, Reverb was a, uh, initially a brother, so it's possible that Reverb could exist in Earth One too. It just probably wouldn't be played by the same actor, which is unfortunate. All right. Anything else you want to say about The Flash? It's great. I can't wait for things to happen on it. It's, I don't know, week to week. It's like uh, picking up a new issue of a comic book. It's just basically joy and then cliffhanger. And that's, that's fantastic. All right. Uh, this is where we are going to go into some spoilers. So this is all of the ample warning I, you could possibly hope for. Spoilers, ahoy. Okay, Dave, uh, yeah. what did you want to say about Peggy Carter and Captain America when, uh, Civil War and how it affects the television show? She dies in the first act. It would probably be right. weird to continue her character. I don't think so, because it's future Peggy. I, I completely disagree with that. Because that's I mean, Peggy That's Peggy in the future, and we've got years and years and years. They could do decades of Agent Carter on television. Agent Carter in the 60s, you know, like... They I don't, could, but I don't, like, this is still the think... show that Marvel Cinematic has control over because it was supposed to just be a one miniseries spinoff from the character in the Captain America movie. And that character is going to complete her arc. So I wouldn't put her, like, popping up if Marvel decides it wants to do other period pieces. But I do think it's a putting forth a weird branding issue to keep putting this character straightforward, even though she's kind of served her purpose. I just completely disagree with you in terms of uh, if Agent Carter were doing well in the ratings... I think that they would have an Agent Carter show forever. And her dying in 2016 has nothing to do with her being alive in the 40s and 50s and 60s. You know? Like, it's it's just, it's it's not even, like, confusing. It's not even, you know, like an alternate reality, Peggy. It's like, okay, we watch Haley Atwell in old age makeup die, but we already know that she lives all these years between then. So I just don't think it's a confusing branding issue at all. This is my uh, <laughs> opinion. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. And then what did you want to tell me about Infinity Stones? Oh, oh, I was going to guess on where the other two were. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the Eye of Agamotto is the time gem, which we might have referenced. What's the Eye of Agamotto? That's Doctor Strange's necklaces. Necklace. Got it. Okay. Um, so I'd be looking for that on some art for Doctor Strange if that starts popping up, uh, because I think they're gonna, that's going to be our MacGuffin. And then if the Soul Gem isn't in Guardians of the Galaxy, considering Hela is like a dead, dead commander of the dead in hell, it would seem like maybe Thor Ragnarok would be where that would pop up. So here's, you want to hear my putting together facts complete, you know, by the seat of my pants synopsis for Thor Ragnarok. Do it. Okay. So Thor returns back to Asgard to seek information about the infinity stones to discover that his brother has taken it over 
and has sort of entered a dark partnership with Gila over some sort of deal that I'm not even sure has been completely hammered out yet since the script is still being written. But Thor comes to try to stop them. Loki and Gila team up. Gila does some really horrible stuff, including uh, destroying Mjolnir and shaving Thor's head, I think, and banishes him to a planet, which ends up being Planet Hulk. And Thor is, like, trying to battle himself out because he's like, I need to save the world. Uh, And Hulk ends up being their gladiator, and Hulk remembers him. And he's like, oh, great, Hulk. So he and Hulk battle their way off the planet. And then Thor is like, what only power we have against the siege of the dead is the soul-restoring MacGuffin of blankety-blank planet. And so then Hulk and Thor have to go get MacGuffin of blankety-blank planet that they use to like get some good soul dead awesomeness, maybe some Valkyries or the titular Valkyrie from Marvel Comics to like battle Gila's like crazy dead armies. Uh, and all along the way, there will be buddy road comedy jokes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just uh, the last thing I need is another like Thor movie that just feels too serious. So I really am glad that. I mean, the stakes feel really high on this, and um, I, I will be grateful for some some good Ruffalo humor injected in. So there we go. Mo mocap Ruffalo humor, I would guess. I know you keep saying that that you think that we're gonna get a lot more Banner uh, as Hulk, um, <sighs> which is less interesting to me. Also. Um, Takeaway TT is the best, so I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to talk about? I don't know. Anything else you want to know spoilers about? What other spoilers do you have in your little brain, Dave? You know what? Right now, I got a lot. So why don't you let me know what you want to know more about, and I'll let you know if I can tell you about anything on the air. Wow. Uh, that's too much responsibility. Give me, give me Marvel or DC. Uh, I give you one each. Something okay. crazy happens at the end of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, where when someone told me it happened, I laughed solidly for thirty seconds. Isn't it? Is it Henry Cavill playing like Bizarro Superman? No, that okay. does happen. Right, but there's something else. What is it? Can you tell me on air? Uh, I don't want to tell you on air. Okay. I think this might be fun for people to be like, oh my God, this movie in the theater after like two hours of already craziness. Um, Okay. And then what's your Marvel spoiler? Uh, mm, How far do I want to go on this one? Um, I would expect Iron Fist to start shooting soon. What? Because he's been cast what? a while ago. And as we're recording right now, there is a Danny Rand who is performing lines that have been written for him. He's in Luke Cage? I said about all I'm going to say on the subject. Or Daredevil. T- oh, God. Okay. All right. Well, this is exciting. Um, and tune in next week for our thoughts on Deadpool and maybe I can extract more information from Dave about these these uh, enticing about anything everything everything I'm back on the scent it's summer movie season <laughs> there's superhero movies out 
There's a new Star Wars like shooting at Game of Thrones is going to be back in two months. Let's kickstart it. Awesome. Great. Um, in the meantime, send us your emails. Follow your thoughts at gmail.com. Thank you so much to the two emails we got this week. And we will see you next week. Bye. Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. Oh,